Will Olympia do the right thing for farm workers? That's the question right now. Decision makers in Olympia, specifically, at least right now, at this juncture, uh, the lawmakers who are on the Washington State Senate Labor and Workforce, or Labor and Commerce, that's the right word, Labor and Commerce Committee, um, they have a decision to make this coming week about whether we will continue as a state to look at bringing relief to farm workers who have been hurt by the state's new overtime law. We've talked about this several times here on the program, the problems with it. Um, The problem with forcing uh, a system of overtime pay that's based on 40-hour-a-week office and factory jobs onto farming which, as we know, ebbs and flows in its busyness based on the seasons and the weather and crops. I mean, you know, Mother Nature. Uh, and there are busy times and slow times. It doesn't fit. This 40-hour-a-week thing doesn't fit with that lifestyle or the needs of farm labor to get harvests in. The upshot has been that farm workers, uh, because farms just... They aren't able to pay that much more for their labor. And the advocates of this all along have have tried to say, oh, farmers just need to step up and pay. Um, The reality is costs continue to increase for farms. Returns are decreasing. You know, people in tree fruit uh, for, you know, apples and cherries and things like that, in some cases seeing the same prices that they were getting 10 years ago and, and, you know, we experience that here in Western Washington in in the berry crops as well. Um, it's not that there's a huge pot of money there to just suddenly pay a, a huge percentage more for work. So the reality is, farms have to manage this by saying, "Okay, uh, you only get so many hours," um, and that has led to workers not getting the kind of work and the kind of paychecks that they want. Joining me right now. Uh, with WAFLA, labor organization here in the state, is Enrique Gastelum. We've had him on the program here recently talking about uh, federal changes to the H-2A guest worker program. But Enrique, you grew up in this world. You, your family it was farm workers, right? You you know this world. Yes. Yeah. Good morning, Dylan. Yeah. My family uh, grew up out in Sunnyside, Washington. Um, uh, my father was a farm worker for nearly three decades working in the farming community in uh, potatoes, corn, uh, onion fields and stuff like that. And, you know, remember routinely for many, many years as he worked in that industry, he was, his life was built around the seasonality of how our various crops, you know, during planting and harvest worked. And um, I don't really ever remember my dad complaining much about, (laughs) you know, Hey, it's summertime, it's planted time, we work extra because he then during the winter with his, you know, employers and and the farmers he was working with, they enjoyed their time off. He would typically, you know, head back to Mexico, visit my grandma, my family and relatives that were over there. And, and that was just, that was just, he knew that was the relationship they had together. And you got the work done when needed to. Sometimes you put in 60 hours, 70 hours, depending on what they were working on, but it, it all averaged out, uh, as the year went along and you know when when overtime was getting passed in our state and i really started thinking about the impacts i tried to put myself 
in my father's shoes and and while he spent you know three decades working for this this farming company that that took care of him very well for many many years and you know when he was stricken with a, a, a alzheimer's took care of his health care mm. until he passed away and a pension um i think it would have upset him that somebody was telling him he could not work a certain amount um and and he knew the farm was operating on certain margins and you know they they were getting told what they would get paid for their potatoes you know prior to sometimes even the year starting and they had to operate within those means and and then to you know imagine your your employer coming to you and saying you can only work 50 hours you yeah. can only work 40 hours that that would have affected us at home dramatically yeah right? far, farmers and that's a, I, an important part of this whole situation that that you correctly mentioned there too farmers can't just say well our labor costs have gone up because we're paying overtime now so you're going to have to pay us more for our berries, our potatoes, our apples, you name it. It doesn't work sure. that way in, in the, the marketplace with farming. And, and, you know, a lot of people probably feel that it should, but that is just not the reality right now. So that has to come out of your bottom line. And with as tight as things get, you know, especially for the small operators now, you know, I'm hearing from farms that are saying, hey, if, if we really have to do this, we, we can't continue in business. Correct. Yeah. When, when you're labor intensive agriculture you know i've seen data and people produce stuff you know labor costs are you know 50 to 70 80 percent of what they're doing and hmm. and when you're operating on a you know five to nine five to eight five to nine percent profit margin each year um seeing you know the wages going up year over year by you know 10 percent 15 percent in many cases and then now you stack year over year overtime threshold on top of that it, it, the squeeze is coming from somewhere. So what do you do? Yeah. Well, you ha you're forced to cap people's hours because the marketplace says, this is what we're going to pay you. And if you don't like it, well, if we can get the fresh produce, the fruit internationally, we'll just buy from the international customers. Yeah. yeah. And what are, and, what, what are workers getting paid there in those foreign countries? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, waffle in the case of what we do with H2A, we know when they come to the United States, they're earning five to 13 times what they would in their home country. So, of course, those farms have a severe advantage cost-wise over our U.S. farmers. And so any squeeze and pinch um, and inflation on, on operating inputs and cost here in the U.S., places a dramatic, uh, um, puts them, puts them behind, uh, gives them a major disadvantage, uh, to the international produce that's coming in. And, you know, in 2022, I believe, you know, we, we started, we kind of hit our tipping point now where more certain commodities, we had more fresh fruits and vegetables coming in than produced here in the U S and it's sad. Right. Yeah. And I think here in Washington, if we continue, if we don't do something to balance out this uh, rapidly decreasing threshold of ag overtime, um, it's going to keep first, it's going to keep hurting the most, uh, you know, the people we say we're trying to help our workers and inherently it's going to continue hurting our farmers. You know, this is an issue I've been hearing for the last year. Workers and employers and labor intensive ag are all of the same mindset. They do not like this. It is not a balanced approach. They feel they were forced to deal with this because of a few people's mindsets as to they thought they know better. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, seasonal ag is not like year-round fixed employment that some people are used to. Enrique Gastelum is our guest right now here on The Farming Show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Now, okay, what you're explaining here is, bottom line, if you care about local food and producing food here domestically and in Washington State, if you care about family farms and smaller farms and all of that, you need to care about this issue. But also, if you care about workers, you need to care about this issue. And I think this is the hang-up where a lot of people have a hard time understanding, and, and I don't blame them because it's complicated, and it feels counterintuitive. How is overtime hurting workers? It was supposed to be helping workers, um, but again, as you explain, hours are being cut just because farms have to manage their costs to stay in business, not because they're, you know, as some have claimed, trying to get rich off the back of workers that they're exploiting, which is awful, you know, nasty language that isn't true. Um, but that's that's the reality here. If you care about where it's, it's been a good thing, I think, on the whole, that more and more people are caring about how are farm workers being treated? How are the people who grow our food being treated? Are they being treated fairly? Do they have a safe uh, and equitable workplace? That's all good. So if you care about that, you need to care about this issue and about listening to what those actual workers have to say about how they feel about this particular issue. Now, the state, I guess it's starting in the state Senate, both both sides of uh, the legislature in Olympia are looking at something on this. Explain what's going on in Olympia right now. Yeah, so this, the, the, the bill language that has um, been uh, dropped and will be discussed in the uh, Senate committee this next week uh, on February the 9th is a topic that was originally introduced when the first ag overtime bill um, was passed in our state in, when in, in 2021. And it, it had a provision talking about a seasonality exemption. So it says, okay, well, at least as one idea or option to allevi- alleviate some of the pressure of the increasing labor costs and hopefully workers still being able to take home some money, let's let a, an employer predetermine a 12-week production window, uh, a short season, where instead of uh, overtime, say, like in 2023 being paid at 48 hours, it would not kick in until 50 hours. So it would offer some relief. Uh, I would beg to argue, I believe it needs to be higher, likely 55 or 60, but the current draft language that is going to be looked at and discussed is at 50. So that's that's the concept behind it is an employer would notify a worker some predetermined time out, you know, maybe say 30 days or whatnot. Uh, hey, during this uh, four-week window or eight-week window or 12-week window, uh, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, pay overtime at 50 hours. And the workers would obviously agree if that's what they want to be employed at and, and get paid during that time. And then the employer would be on the hook for that. And then once that uh, seasonal window is done, then you go back to whatever the state-mandated uh, ag overtime threshold would be. This is The Farming Show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop talking with Enrique Gastelum with uh, Wafla Labor Organization here in Washington State, also in Oregon as well. Um, so what you're saying is this would this measure would allow workers during busy season to make more money, get more hours that are available at that busy time. 
That's correct. Yeah, and, and still allow them to at least still realize some of the hours that they've been accustomed to, or at least first let the employer decide, is it still financially feasible? You know, we may still, if this goes somewhere, have some farmers determine it's not, but, you know, a farmer says, yeah, I can still cover it. And then, uh, you know, they, they operate and then the worker would still, you know, they get a uh, work those extra hours that the farmers make it available for them. I, I agree with you about this bill. I think this is something that needs to be supported. This is something that needs to happen. I also would like to see more because I know when I was working on the farm, I <laughs> I wanted to get as many hours as I possibly could. And I right. knew that, you know, well, at, at that point, there was no time and a half. But I know if there would have been. Well, I, honestly, I've experienced this even outside of the farming world. I mean, let's be honest. You look at big corporations. I used to work for a corporation uh, that will remain nameless in this conversation. Yes. <laughs> but the reality is when these thresholds are set, what happens? Your hours get reduced. I remember it was the same thing with insurance requirements. You know, for, I was working part-time, but I was getting quite a few hours. And then the insurance requirements were, well, you had to provide insurance for workers if they're working more than 30 hours a week. Well, then guess what? My hours got cut to 25 hours a week. <laughs> you right. know, because, this, of the, because of the cost tied to that benefit. Right. right, exactly. Rather than helping me, it ended up hurting me more. And I still had to buy my own insurance and I had even less money to do it. You know, so this <laughs> happens time and again. And you can say whether it's right or wrong on the part of the employer. The reality is farmers are squeezed so tightly uh, economically already that presents that challenge. And, I, you know, back again, as a worker, I just wanted to get as many as possible. I wanted to get 60 hours a week if I could. Um, right. and, and, and especially and when I was working on the farm during harvest time, because we were all part of a team, you know, and, and it was a family farm and it was my family and the other workers. And we all wanted to get the job done, get the fruit in. And because we knew that soon harvest would be over and we'd go on vacation or go back to school or travel or, you know, if we're year round employees, we'd go back to a, a slower schedule. Right. And, and this doesn't isn't just impacting our domestic workers we've known for for at least a decade we have a serious serious labor supply shortage so we've supplemented that with h2a workers so imagine a worker that's come on a contract for five or six months and they have traveled thousands of miles away from their family friends communities to come and earn money and they're being told, yeah, sorry, you're only going to be able to work 48 hours this week. And so now they're just sitting in their housing board, wanting and demanding to work. But the employer's like, look, I can't, I can't afford that. Uh, the overtime premium that it would be for you to work the extra five hours or 10 hours. And so now we're even getting some frustration being voiced by many, many of our H2A workers have grown accustomed to, I mean, this is their time to earn their money for their livelihood, to take back home and help them and their family survive for an entire year. Yeah. And they're not here to waste their time. They are coming to work. Well, and, and really, if you think about it, again, people across the economy will do things like that. Let, let's say that, you know, I work in some field that, hey, has an opportunity for eight months to go to Dubai, and it's going to kind of suck because I'll be away from my family, but I'll make 
bank, you know, money that right. I couldn't make here. Well, of course I do that. But then I wouldn't, once I arrived there, be told, well, you can't work too much and you can't actually make that much money because while we're looking out for you to, you know, that would just be super frustrating. And the same for these folks, you know, that come here as guest workers. Again, like you're saying, they just want to come here, work, make as much money as they can and go back home. Yes. Uh, very, very frustrating. And again, Enrique Gaslam with Wafla is with us on the program. So what people can do and it's very important uh, you know if we can hear from farm workers and you're hearing from folks i'm hearing from folks like you said you're hearing people who are frustrated with this angry um about where the law has gone without considering the particulars of the situation of agriculture those people can speak out right at this hearing coming up on thursday yeah not just can but have to you're you're Folks, if you're a farm worker, if you are a farmer, your story is not being told in Olympia right now. And this is your opportunity to set the record straight and let these representatives for our state that have the power to do something on this bill, let them know what you are experiencing. Let them know the negative impacts that this law is having on your livelihood. I mean, right now in 2023, you go to the grocery store, you spend a hundred bucks, you're only walking home with two bags of groceries. Mm. You cannot afford to be losing hours right now and having a less paycheck going home. And so farmers, growers out there, if you've got workers, get with them, ask them if they're wanting to go and testify. You can testify in person in Olympia. You can do it remote. Uh, all of the ag associations are speaking right now to talk about how to get information out to people uh, so you can get clear, good instructions on on how to testify. I know Safe Family Farming is going to be putting stuff out, but yep. we have got to tell our story and stop allowing others to speak mistruths about what is really going on. And uh, from what I understand, even if someone doesn't want to testify, doesn't actually want to speak, even just showing up in the room down there in Olympia, being there, showing their face and saying, we're here and this is important to us. Um, that's a, a powerful message as well. And even if someone can't go there, even if someone can't, doesn't want to speak, you know, on Zoom or, or whatever the, the online uh, uh, video conference ability to testify, even to just go onto the website uh, for the state legislature and sign into the hearing as pro in favor of this bill, uh, which is Senate Bill 5476. Um, and signing in, in favor of that bill as, as pro, and then even just mark, no, you don't want to testify, that still sends a message. Um, the more people that uh, that committee can see, care about this issue, and support um, this measure, uh, the more chance uh, we'll have here to have this taken seriously. So this is important stuff. It's go time for this issue. And um, Enrique, thanks for, for taking the time to be with us here uh, this morning on the program and, and for all the work that you do, uh, helping empower people to be able to make a living, to make money, to, to better their lives. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Dylan. I appreciate it.